No, we're going to run out of these. I know, but we have at least one more good one after this. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Listen, but what happens is sometimes we put out an episode that we think is like just going to be fun for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just fun for us. And like, it's obvious. And Eric is like, what is this? And it's obvious that like, it was really just fun for us. And then sometimes we put out an episode that we think is just going to be fun for us. And Eric is like, what is this? And then it's fun for everyone. And then we get to sort of gloat and be like, we knew. We, we knew. knew. It was be great. And that is what happened with Romance Science. Yes. Y'all really enjoyed Romance Science. <laughs> oh, by the way, somebody... My friend Louisa was like, wait, I thought it was just going to be about like STEM heroines or like science and romance novels. No, no. I mean, we did do an episode about STEM heroines and like bless, but no. So if you skipped the romance science episode. Yes, you should go back. Because you thought it was just going to be like about actual science. <laughs> no, it's you romance should science. return because it wasn't at all about Maybe that. we should add like a better subtitle to list that one and this one, right? Right. Like the strange laws that govern the romance universe. Like romance parentheses, weird science. Yes, there you go. Which is just showing my age in film, but... Sure, I could tell you the whole plot of that movie, though. It's fine. Listen, we have to have a conversation about rom-com bracket, too. So oh, let's yeah. start with... Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fate of Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And listen, if you hear a purring sound, that's because my cat, I'm sorry, Eric, is literally laying right next to the mic and she purrs like really loud. So if you're just like, what is that noise? I'm sorry. It's Malia. It's Malia, who's like, romance law. I'm here. <laughs> Malia, I had a moment. Um, I was doing the New York Times crossword puzzle earlier this week, and Obama's youngest daughter was a clue. Yeah. And I was like, which one is the youngest one? And I knew it was Sasha, but like, I had I couldn't get your cat out of my head. <laughs> so like, for a while, I didn't have that clue, but then I figured it out. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I get it. Malia, your cat, is the most famous Malia in my head. In the Faded Mates verse, yes, of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. We do. Yeah. Rom-com brackets. Oh, Allie She Parker, outdid herself this year, Allie. You are doing the Lord's work, and I just want to say thank you. Yeah. Does Allie listen to the podcast? I don't know, but I'll, uh, Kelly and Allie are friends, and so Kelly will be like, make sure you listen to the beginning. We'll praise listen, you. Listen, what... A tremendous bracket this year. I have a lot. I literally logged onto Twitter and had to like find a code to like <laughs> yeah. enter in to get onto Twitter specifically to tell Allie that the third, the upper left quadrant <laughs> of that bracket is like painful for me. It's the one that includes like Moonstruck and the Austin movies and may not include Moonstruck, but it does include like. The Jane Eyre's, the Austin's, like all the retellings. And it's rough up there in the upper <laughs> left. And I'm I'm not for it, honestly. But I do have my bracket here. Did you do one? I just vote every day. February is a notoriously bad month in schools. Like it's just hard. Everybody's yeah, yeah, exhausted. Yeah. The kids are too much. And that's kind of been the case this week. So. Um, it is something I'm going to do this weekend. You know what else, though, is I was really thinking about it. Like, sometimes I get all, like, I want to watch something, and I'm like, oh, my God, I get so overwhelmed by trying to find things to watch. But I'm like, I'm going to use this as my North Star 
And there are movies on here I haven't seen. I've heard of, but I haven't seen. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and like be like, when next time I'm like, what should I watch? Be like, something off the rom-com bracket that I haven't seen. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was wrong. It's the lower... The lower right-hand corner is where all the retellings are. <laughs> the pain is for you. <laughs> and then the upper left-hand corner includes Bridget Jones's diary, When Harry Met Sally, and Moonstruck. And it's just, and Overboard, and French Kiss. I think Overboard went down already. And I'm just like, Overboard mm. against, wait, against Chasing Liberty? I haven't seen that. Well, so see? So here's the thing that this is what I want to discuss. Okay. Because I do think that the problem with this is that people are voting when they haven't seen movies. Of course. And so you end up getting all these votes for movies that are... Nostalgia votes. Just like, or no, not. The opposite. Like, right now, it seems like all the old movies are getting, like, booted fast. And, like, you know, and I don't know if it's that they don't hold up anymore, which is totally possible. Although I will say that Moonstruck continues to hold up. (laughs) And I just don't think that many people have watched it. But um, it's really interesting because, like, I think that there is there there is a dearth of there is like a generational issue here where, like, millennials didn't watch those Gen X rom-coms. And it's because, like, the the generation is too quick. So, like, it's not nostalgic where, like, their parents made them watch them. Right. Or, like, yeah, like, I see what you're saying. It's sure. like it's a it's time a, slip thing. Right. If they didn't just didn't get there. Yeah. So I agree. People should go back and they should watch these movies. Make February the month where you watch French Kiss and Overboard. And only you, which I didn't, dis- which I didn't realize was directed by the same guy who directed Moonstruck, Norman Jewison, who died like he two did die ago. very recently. He, yeah, R.I.P. Well, it is. It's a God. What an amazing thing. So yeah, so great. Thanks, and it's so fun. It's you know what else is like you know Twitter is kind of terrible now, but it's made Twitter really fun because you go in and see people like really like you know trying to talk up their their you know kind of being like oh my God I can't believe you know I voted for some things because people are like what how is you know this movie not ahead. And I was like, how is it not ahead? So it was, yeah, yeah. it's so, it makes, it's, it's really fun. Ugh, it's I been great. literally today was like, maybe I'll watch Only You with um, my daughter because she asked for a Ouija board for her birthday. <laughs> so she got sure. one. And now I'm like, this is perfect. Maybe we'll watch Only You. So fun. I don't remember if there's, I'm sure there's some like off color stuff in there, but like, whatever. She would be, I, I'm sure she'll be fine. It's really fun. And I will say also that sort of bracket situation, which all of you who listen to sports and, and know, listen, watch watch sports or listen to sports in the <laughs> olden days, um, know about brackets is like it really ends up being a weird way to bubble something up to the top. Yeah. my <laughs> final two were Moonstruck and Romancing the Stone. Sure. Which was an unexpected pairing. Pairing, yeah. Well, that's what makes it fun. Like, Romancing the Stone would not have been a choice yeah. for me, I don't right. think. Right, But somehow, um, yeah. But it had to because I needed something from over on that side. <laughs> so, and so obviously, my pick is Moonstruck. I'm going to lose because I'm going to lose. But... If you haven't watched Moonstruck, watch it and then listen to our episode. Yeah, our our episode on Moonstruck. So funny. Mm. Um, yeah, I love it. It is. It's great. So great. Yeah, maybe I'll watch one with my mom this weekend. 
Yeah, you should. French Kiss is just back on streaming. For a long time, you couldn't get it on yeah, streaming. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's back, though, huh? Okay. And then um, we have to talk about uh, Faded Maids Live. <gasps> Faded Maids Live. It's time. We're making the announcement. Yes, we are. We made it. We dropped it into the feed, but we know some. a lot of you don't listen to right. those, like, Little ones. Quickie. So our, we will be joined in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, on March 23rd. Doors open at 6.15 by the following guests. Kate Claiborne. Kate Claiborne, three days before her new book, The Other Side of Disappearing, comes out. You'll be able to get it there early, signed by Kate, pre-ordered from the Rip Bodice exclusively. Yes. Um, Nikki Payne, who you heard last week and she was Was so fun. Just on. Sex, Lies, and Sensibility is the new book. You could pre-order that book and her other book, Pride and Protest, from the Rip Bodice. And get them there, signed by Nikki Payne. And I can't even believe this one. Christina Lauren. Yay! Christina Lauren! I know. Amazing. We're so excited. We don't know if it's going to just be Lauren or both be both Christina and Lauren, but whatever it is, we're so excited. Friends of the pod. Yeah. I think possibly five-timers at this point. Oh, yeah. It's got to be, it right? It could be a five-timer moment. I need to do some counting. Also, just like super fun. I mean, I don't know if like you've ever had any experience with, and I just think like that is going to be like a real like magical group of guests with us. So, um, we right now for sure it's Lauren, maybe Christina. I think is where we're we 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 don't want to like you know, but um, Nikki, Kate, us, all the people in the audience, a riot. Oh my god, we're gonna have so much fun. It'll be in the same space as last last year, which is really this, like, very posh, fun hotel in Brooklyn. You'll be at, like, you know, in the cool hotel in Brooklyn, um, which, you know, they only let us in once, once a year. <laughs> once a year. <laughs> and then um, there's going to be a bar inside the room this time. So, like, you can get up in the middle of the recording and, like, go get yourself a drink if you want. The Rip Bodice is going to be on, on hand selling books signed by all of – well – Selling books by all of these people, sign they'll sign them there that night. You do need to pre-order Kate's book if you want it, um, and you can pre-order the books by Nikki and uh, and Christina and Lauren also because and by me. Um, you can you can do all that on the Rip Bodice website. There's a link right now. If you click the chapter title, it's going to take you to a ticket page, and there is a link on the ch- on the ticket page. That will take you to the Rip Bodice to pre-order these books. Um, and when you make that pre-order, it'll ensure that you definitely have a copy of Kate's book on hand. Uh, because there are going to be, you know, a couple hundred people at this event. So um, probably the Rip Bodice isn't going to bring a couple hundred books unless they're pre-ordered. Unless they're pre-ordered, right. And I think the other thing, too, is like this is Saturday night. The book doesn't officially come out until Tuesday so it's really pretty special. So we're kind of considering this Kate's. We're just we have decided that this is Kate's like big book launch at Fate launch Life. party. Yeah. Um, and we have the room for a few hours extra this time, so people can hang out, like get a drink, hang out, hang out with us, get books signed, meet other Firebirds, which is great. There are already meetups scheduled. Um, or being scheduled in the Discord. So if you want to be involved in the scheduling of these meetups, you can uh, head over to our Patreon and join our Patreon, which will get you access to the Discord. But don't worry, if you're not in the Patreon and not in the Discord, 
closer to the date we will post on Instagram. I'll post on Instagram and Jen will post on Twitter the places, you know, the information on meetups so that people know where they can go ahead of time. I know somebody's somebody's organizing a dinner on Friday. There's some discussion about like maybe theater tickets, maybe cons maybe uh um a sport event, sporting event. Somebody was like, let's go to a hockey game. Like so it sounds like it's really gonna be a fun time. Um, we promise that if you come alone, you won't leave alone. See, there you go. Not necessarily in a sexy way, but maybe that too. <laughs> we we don't judge. Have a nice time, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to name children Jen and Sarah. That's how that goes. <laughs> That's how that goes. I'm so ex- I'm just so excited. I I just wish everybody, if you haven't been to a Fadia Mace live event, it, they are just really so fun. It's like all the best parts of the podcast, but like you get to actually talk back. Oh, yeah. And there are free books. Yeah, we have a whole system time. where if you talk back to us, you get books. It's really fun. Um, so tickets, fadedmates.net slash live. That will take you directly to the event by the event right page where you can purchase the ticket. Again, it'll also take you to a place where you can uh, click through to the Rip Bodice and pre-order books by Kate Claiborne, Nikki Payne, and Christina Lauren. And Sarah and McLean. Me. Yes. <laughs> and me, but less me and more everybody else. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. I literally cannot wait. So that's housekeeping. Housekeeping. Oh, but we should talk quickly. Can we just have an addendum to Romance Science before oh, yeah. we begin? We have to talk about the hymen. Yes. Someone was like, I can't believe you didn't mention the hymen by Romance Biology. Yeah, the other Jen, Jen Porter, was like, I kept shouting at my car radio, what about the hymen? I can't believe we forgot it. I really can't believe we forgot it either. Because we did do a whole thing on obstetrics and gynecology. And what I would say is we also, we not, we skipped two things in the gynecology realm. So here, let's just pause for a second. Hymens (laughs) in romance, first of all, they're, Absolutely made of titanium. Oh, God, yes. I mean, you really have to bust through one of those Kool-Aid man style through <laughs> <Like> a wall. <laughs> and they're in no way where you think where they actually are on the human body. Yeah. Didn't aren't we going to have a aren't we going to have a doctor on to talk about this with yeah, us? Yes, we are. Somebody, a, a doctor who, frankly, OK, listen, we have a listener who's a doctor and she said, I'm basically like mix Joel from Northern Exposure and some other people, and that's what I do. And I was like, you had me at Northern Exposure. Absolutely. Also aging myself. But So we're going to bring on a doctor to talk about the hymen <laughs> and other things related, so we don't really want to get too into it, but that is the number one thing about romance science. They are heavily bleed. They heavily bleed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> they are made of titanium, and they're shoved pretty far up there. Um, I also want to discuss... Like, the length and width of the common romance penis? <laughs> oh, God, no. No, this is too much. Because it's just <laughs> out People describe control. it in ways that's, like, terrifying, right? I know. Charlotte Stein has one where she describes it as a Pringles can. No. I, it's Isn't it a famous J.R. Ward where it's the size of a baby's arm? Is, it, is that J.R. Ward? I've, I believe so. I've heard tell of this. I've yeah, heard this in legend. Ward. But I didn't yes. know it's J.R. Ward, but it does sort of check out. <laughs> yeah, right, of course. <laughs> They're vampires. They probably are the size of a baby's arm. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or these things like knocking on the door of your cervix. Well, at that, somebody in the in the comments on the Instagram post was like, I hope you talk about passion by Lisa Valdez. Mm-hmm. 
And I was, as you all, as many of you know, we are so <laughs> compelled by Passion by Lisa Valdez that we did an entire deep dive on it because it's woof a lot. Um, but yeah, that cervix busting. Sure. It's got like a little extra pocket in there. <laughs> you don't need a pocket in your dress. You've got one in your cervix. You just didn't know. Astounding. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure that you all know that we do, in fact, read the comments. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. We hear you. We are bringing in an expert to discuss the hymen at some point. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I would also like to say, like, this is the second time in pretty quick succession we've had somebody email us and be like, hey, by the way, right? Remember our firefighter friend? Yeah. So if you are not on our Patreon, we had someone who was like, I'm a wildland firefighter. And we had a great, fascinating interview with her. It was amazing, right? So, like, if we ever mention something and you're like, actually, I happen to be an expert in this thing, please let us know. Guess because what? We love experts. We love it. This week's episode of Fate of Mates is sponsored by Alexander Harvey, author of The Husband Heist. So Lady Summer is used to be is used to being both noticed and ignored because she is the twin sister of a duke. And so she's finally like, look, I'm gonna like put my notoriety to the test. And she and some of her buddies decide it would be really fun to become art thieves. So they start stealing art from the Mayfair <laughs> Art Collector Society. When you let ladies be bored. Exactly. Right? Crime. So <laughs> she's criming by stealing art from the Mayfair Love Art it. Collector Society. And no one seems to notice except for Elliot Howard, the Earl of Blackpool, a Raquel, and the bane of her existence. But she's just like, whatever. The art's from your aunt. It's no biggie. Trouble is that she has also accidentally, oops, maybe stolen a list of women spies working for the crown. Someone is using the art exhibit to pass the messages in the auction back and forth that will reveal the names of these women and put them in danger. And Summer is determined to protect them. And Elliot is determined to protect her. Love it. What a setup. I love it. Well, if you also love the idea of this book, you can find The Husband Heist right now in print, ebook, or with a monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. And if your podcast app supports it, you can click on the chapter title of the book right now and be taken to Amazon to purchase it. Thanks, as always, to Alexander Harvey for sponsoring this week's episode. Okay, so today we're talking about romance law. And we have a bit a of a shiver just went went through Romance Landia. There's so many lawyers just like perking up right now. Yes. Um, we have some categories. Uh yep. I have wills and trusts, real estate, <laughs> custody, HR and you, copyright, <laughs> and corporate shit. Corporate shit. Yep. Um, so should we just go down the down the yeah. the uh yeah, All right, we'll, so I think I think Wills and Trust is the right place to start. Obviously, this is I think really where the rubber meets the road when it comes to <laughs> law, the romance law. This is where the stuff gets real good. Um, because what I will tell you is that if you speak to a lawyer <laughs> about romance law in the world of Wills and Trusts, they will tell you everybody is crazy here. <laughs> I actually don't think I realized how true i thought romance law was until i said something to someone about like you know being really afraid that like i would have to like do blah 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 like whatever it doesn't matter right after one of my parents died no like you know like and they were like that's not real <laughs> i was like that's great news. i'm so excited i was like that's great news yeah awesome, right? so basically that's the thing is like wills in the will the famous 
like, my grandfather died and I must birth a child within a year in order to inherit. This is not a real thing. <laughs> now, listen, I can already listen. We are not lawyers, we should say. No. So if we say, I truly, I'm just getting my like, this is not a real thing from the Internet telling me these things are not real. Right. Um, Maybe they are, though. Please correct us. Yeah. That in Romance Land, no matter what, I really I don't think this is real, but no matter what. I think there is in Romance Landia, I would say 80 to 90 percent of marriages are the result of somebody's will. Oh, yeah, completely. Insisting upon them. Right. Right. Well, I also think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, X, Y, Z things has to happen before you can inherit or um, you are the executor and your job is going to be to, like, dole out the money to these people Nobody knew about it, but all of a sudden you're in charge of this or whatever. Like, right. apparently all that stuff's crazy. Like, you can't do that. Who knew? Well, interestingly, you can do that in it. There are ways for you to do that. But they have to be like sort of intense trusts. And like most people don't use these particular kinds of trusts. I might know this because I'm currently writing one of these trusts because romance law allows it. <laughs> so, um, but... So let's think about this because the inheritance – I think it it depends on whether or not like the will or right trust or whatever is designed to make you do something or keep you from doing something. Uh-huh. Right? So I feel like, you know, like it's always essentially about like blackmailing the characters into acting a certain way. And then the money or the land or the house or whatever is like the reward. And I think that that's the part that's, like, really interesting to me, like, how often – like, so, for example, this is, like, a dumb but, like, minor example. I've been listening to the second Hidden Legacy series, um, re-listening to it. Mm-hmm. So, like, Sapphire something, Emerald something. And in the first book, like, Nevada and Connor have to go to Spain because if they don't attend the funeral of his grandfather – then his mom cannot inherit the summer home, which is, like, the only thing she wants from him. So they all have to, like, get on a plane and go there and be there for however long in order to help this woman, like, inherit the only thing from her childhood that she loved, which was this home. And I was like, is that real or is it just a convenient way to get these two off out of town? (laughs) You know what? I don't think it's real, but I don't mind it. Sure. So, I mean, I think that there's there are... Two ways that this works. One is, so you're right, like, it is about doing something. I think there is also the, inher- I know that we have inheritance as a separate category, but I think we yeah. could also. Oh, yeah, it's all together. right, sure. So, um, okay, my, for me, it feels like in contemporary romance, the two people inherit the same thing. Oh, yeah, that's good. Concept is like so fun when it's mm-hmm. done right yeah so there's a nora roberts called a will and a way um where two half si- no not half not half siblings not half <laughs> step siblings step maybe? siblings or like, i would imagine yeah yeah like there's a or like they're related in some way but like for, by marriage and they each inherit half of like uh like this like cabin in the Catskills. 
and or in the mountains somewhere. It seems it feels like the Catskills. And um, but the grand the uncle is like matchmaking from beyond the grave and he requires them to live in the house oh, in the I cabin love that. together yeah. mm-hmm. for six months sure. in order to inherit. And so like they go and they hate each other, obviously, because there is Nora, so of course they hate each other, and the banter is like A plus top notch. And then they like just smash. Right. Of course. Yeah, that's a good And there one. might be it's Nora, so there's like a like creeper outside. Yeah, that's true. You know what else I was thinking is, what about, like, the inheritance that is, like, hidden from you? And what I'm thinking of here is Something Wilder by Christina Lauren, which, like, essentially her dad was, like, this treasure hunter. And she just thought he was kind of, like, it was fun for them. And oh, it was, yeah, like, yeah. Right. But, like, I – so then, like, it turns out that at some point they figure out they literally have, like, a treasure map, more or less. And they have to, like, follow these clues. And they're not even, like, really sure what they're going to find – and I don't want to spoil it, but, like, at the end of the book, I like, at some point, I was, like, I had to stop and be, like, wait. So if she never followed the clues, she just was never going to get this fucking money? Fuck that no. guy. Like, I was so mad at her dad. Crazy, like, you know what right? I mean? Yeah. So I do think, too, that there's a way in which it can also be, like, this leverage that's mm-hmm. really terrible that's about, like, you know, I mean, I, I mean, she, at the beginning of the book. Our heroine is really, like, down on her luck. And she's, like, barely keeping it together with this business that she's trying to run that's, like, kind of taking people out on adventures in, like, the canyon lands or whatever it's called in Utah. And I swear to God, I was like, wait. So her dad just, like, was like, I thought you'd want to go on an adventure rather than, like, financial security and stability with, like, the hidden treasure I found? It was a lot for me. It really was. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. I loved that whole thing. That book is... That might be – it's one of my favorite of Christina Lawrence books because it's so crazy. Yeah. Like – Right. Th- but it's so fun. It is so fun. Um, but at one point, I literally was like, wait, she could have been secure. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Mm. Um. So how about – all right. Well, going back to – oh, wait. Let me think. There, are, I have like a whole list and I need to think for a second. Um, <sighs> there's a – you said you said books where there's like a secret. How about books where the inheriting the party you inherit from is a secret? Because oh. listen, the I didn't know I had a dad or I didn't know I had a grandparent, right? So in Bella Andres, you do something to me, which is one of the Sullivan series. You know, she writes mm-hmm. that big Sullivan family. Yeah, yeah. Um the heroine did not know. I want to say she doesn't even know she had a bio, like her biological father was alive, but like she definitely didn't know that like he was anything important. And when he dies, she inherits half of a billion dollar company. What? Which is the other half owned by like a hot single dude. Listen, this will get us into corporate shit, I'm sure, later, but like. So she now it's like that Susan Elizabeth Phillips book where she inherits the football team, another inheritance one. Listen, here's the fascinating thing. These like billion dollar companies aren't so easily inherited. Y'all like (laughs) they all have like corporate boards and, you know, like stock and things. But in romance, there's no stock. No, everything's privately owned for sure. It's just 
you're going to, it's fine, right? That's Susan Elizabeth Phillips book where she owns, she inherits, what is it? It had to be you, where she inherits an NFL team, just like on a whim. Yeah. Well, actually, though, that one's really interesting because if you'll remember, her dad basically does it to fuck with her. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's a stipulation about like how many games or something they have to win. I can't exactly oh, remember the setup. Right. And so she kind of feels yes, all along right. like, oh, he never really also, wanted me to have it. Like her, not legal. Yeah. Her <laughs> brother was supposed to get it or half brother or something. Yeah. And he's really pissed. And, and basically her dad is just like playing games. Mm-hmm. What you really see character wise is these are characters who have been manipulated by their parents and often have like broken free of it. And then yep. this is like the last ditch attempt for the parents or grandparents or whoever from beyond the grave yep. to essentially like get them back in. Like, this is where you live now. Like, right. I like, mean, I I'm, love a parent manipulation right? from beyond the grave a yeah. whole lot. And so I think, but then it's really interesting because you get these characters who are like, you know, essentially, like, the Godfather at the end of Godfather 3, he was like, I thought I was out, but you pulled me back in. Yeah. Because that whatever the th- whatever is dangling on the hook of that will yeah. is something they desperately want or need. Uh-huh. Right? And, like, that's good shit, you guys. It's so fun. <laughs> right? Because invariably, I mean, it's a perfect example of, like, invariably, it's exactly the raw. It's not what they, it's what they want, but it's not what they need. What they need is the love that comes with it. So this is probably best represented in historicals by the inheritance of the castle. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. And so I could have talked about this last week. In fact, I had wanted to mention this book last week. And then, like, we just got over time and I had mentioned a million trillion books. Um, but Diana Quincy's The Duke Gets Desperate, which is her most recent book. So there is a duke and a duchess, and they are um, – they – uh, both die sort of mysteriously, and he and the the son of the duke, the like from another marriage, comes back for the will, re- the reading of his father's will, only to discover that he has been disinherited, and he only and the family manor, which has been like owned for many generations by the duke of he's. He is now the Duke, but he has no none of the estate or anything. And the family manor is now in the hands of his um, stepmother. And the stepmother then dies. And her niece receives word that she has inherited this manor house. And so she turns up. The manor house is in shambles. And the two of them, like, both have, like, an uh, an a legal right to this manner in some way, and they have to sort it out and also bang it out. This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by Kayla Wolfberg, author of Late Night Love. I love the conceit of this, and I, I'm really excited to read this one. So Emily, our protagonist, has a dream job. She is a writer on a late night sketch comedy show called Live from New York. Mm. And she's over the moon to have this job, but what she really wants is to be a writer on Weekend Update, which is the news segment, the like joke news segment. Got it. So it becomes clear that this is definitely not going to happen, and she takes matters into her own hands and replaces, unbeknownst to everyone, one of the jokes uh, on the cue cards with her own joke. Uh oh, um, which is very funny 
except not to the person who reads it. Uh, the head writer, who is also the host of Weekend Update, who has an on-air meltdown and gets himself fired. She, though, has written this funny joke. So they promote her up to join, to sit at the news desk with the man, Chris, who is now the head writer of the show. And they hate each other. Ooh, I bet they do. <laughs> and so they are just like butting heads constantly. And then I think they probably butt other things. <laughs> All right. Of course. It sounds like they both have animosity and like wild chemistry and also they're funny. So I expect this is going to be a really delightful read. So everybody, this is for all of you who love uh, enemies to lovers, especially in the workplace. We've got lots of great banter because it's a romantic comedy. So um, everybody, please check it out. It is available with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited and also in print. You can click on the chapter title right now. It will take you to an Amazon link where you can buy the book immediately. Thank you to Kayla Wolfberg for sponsoring this week's episode. It is, I think, a lot easier to do in historical, but I think in a contemporary, it's one of the few, like, remaining ways that you can really, like, put your characters in a trap. You know, I mean, in our modern world, there's just, there's very few things that can really, like, you can walk away from whatever the fuck you want. You can walk away from your job. You can walk away from your marriage. You can walk away from your, you know, education. I mean, so, like, I think that one of the things that's really the reason I think it's leveraged so often in contemporaries mm-hmm. is because it's, like, one of the few ways that feel, law feels, well, it's the law. It's right. Law. We have no choice. We I have no choice. Right? right. And I think that that is why it is so I effective. Mean, yeah. It also, in a lot of ways, like, especially when it is about these kind of things that get passed on from a generation to like a, a estranged child or an estranged grandchild or like some family member that's mysterious. Right. You know, death is really interesting. Part of what's interesting about death in text or in, in all media or in storytelling in general is like And in life, I guess, is when somebody dies, you no longer have access to their secrets, right? Like you can't, you don't know what they were thinking or who they were, you know, beyond, you can't ask any more questions, right? And I think that inheritance gives us this opportunity to, um, especially inheritance that comes with these kind of bells and whistles of like, you must live with the person or you must like go to the lake house for the summer and like clean out my things. Like in Emily Henry's Beach Read, right? Her father dies, leaves her this lake house and she discovers that he's had a whole life there that she didn't know about, right? Right. Like these kinds of uncovering secrets are, they call, it is, they're compelling. It's compelling storytelling. I think the other place this shows up a lot is actually like mafia romance. Yeah. Right. Where you inherit. Well, mafia virgin. Yeah. Right. Like where it's like you are like, it's not like, the. I guess it's mafia law. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like you have to marry into this family. Like you have to, you know, it's like almost like feudalistic in its like way of like binding families together using you know, in this case, like marriage, but it's like really like you don't have a choice. Like we're going to need you to like, you know. So I think that like a lot of the sense of like inevitability, like that things have to go a certain way. I think we see that often yep. in like mafia. 
Yes. Well, Mafia Virgin, the most recent Miller finale, is a perfect example of this. Giacomo, the hero, uh, inherits basically his family's, like his father's empire in the, like, I, whatever, in the mafia. His, like, little little piece of the mafia pie in Sicily. Um, and he's forced into, here's more ma- more romance law, forced marriage. They are forced into marriage. They just have to do it. And it's totally legal. It's binding. <laughs> Even though no one wants it, it's very binding. Um, and a little smattering of romance science because there is a requirement in this book, in the Sophie Jordan uh, vein of all mafia romances are actually just medieval romances, but contemporary. Um, he has to blood, they have to like, they have to get married. And then like, he has to blood the sheets. Like they have to show, literally show he yeah. has taken her virginity. And so he, um, what does he do? He does something really sexy, doesn't he? He punches the wall <laughs> over and over again. Until his his knuckles are bleeding, and then he wipes them on the sheet. I mean, hot. you're like hot, hot, hot. <laughs> that's not that's not romance law. That's just yeah. that's just hot. <laughs> All right, so that's wills and trusts. I mean, I think we. I mean, the thing about this one we covered is, inheritance a little bit. There yeah, too. it's almost like oh, so common. Yeah, go ahead. Do we do we have guardianship on the list? No, we, you want to. Do we got to talk about guardianship. Sure. Because that's part of it, too. That's, like, rolled into this wills and trusts. So if you've ever done this, like, guardianship thing for an actual real human child in the actual world, it's a very, like, you know, specific thing. You fill out paperwork. You, like, you know, make good choices. Hopefully you think it all through. Guardianship in historical romance is, like, kind of just vibes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Any, literally anybody could just like turn up with a baby and be like, you have been selected, like out of a hat in many ways, it feels to be guardian to this child. Um, and so it never really works out exactly the way it's meant to be. I mean, I think there's, and I think guardianship can be, um, can be siloed into a number of different ways. There's like, sexy guardianship where like we don't know each other and have never known each other and now you are a grown-up uh-huh. i wrote one of these it's called a scott in the dark and she becomes she is a ward of the dukedom listen i think this is made up <laughs> um oh you know what else we have to put on scottish weddings romance oh Law yeah and sure Scotland. well just That's weddings like in general harsh, right yeah I mean, Sun He suggested we should have a whole like maritime suggest like like section, right? Getting married at oh, yeah. sea Distances. and all that business. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Scotland is just like the safe like it's the best. It's the romance novelist's safest like security place. Anyway. But in a Scott in the Dark, the heroine is a ward of the dukedom and 17 dukes die like in quick succession over two and a half weeks. And then she in, she is inherited by the hero of the book. She is, like, unmarried but of age and very beautiful and very lonely. And he inherits her along with the house. And she lives in there. And I like them. 
Anyway, so that's his Scott in the Dark. But there's also the, then there's the, we, I've been your guardian since childhood, but I have never thought of you in any way until you turned of age. In fact, <laughs> sure. in historicals, this often feels like he went away, like he went right. to war, yes. or he like sure there he was on a different continent for many years, and then he can't he comes back and he like walks into the village, and there's a beautiful woman on the other side of the village, and he thinks to himself, "Who's that new girl?" <laughs> and it's surprise, her. she's your ward. <laughs> But here's my point. Like, these are not good guardians. Like, this is not a person who's, like, checking your homework at night. He's doing war on the other side of the world. <laughs> He's an um, army. So it just feels like there's a rash of, like, parents who aren't really focused <laughs> on what would happen if they died in the 1600s when everyone died. Yeah, fair. Fair. I would I would say that's true. I do want to talk about, wait, can we talk about Sustained by Emma Chase, which is... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Like, one of my very favorite contemporary law lawyer books. Um, so, in this one, and this is the other one, there's... Oh, in contemporary, this often looks like the hero or heroine is completely unprepared to be a parent. Like, usually kind of like a fuck-up in a lot of ways. And, like... Their sibling has been like, this child who I brought into the world is going to be the thing that sets you straight, which again feels like questionable parenting, but who am I? <laughs> anyway, so um, in Emma Chase's Sustained, this is one of the first romances I ever read that it was first person POV hero only, and it really works for me. Okay, you know what? This is great. You do this and then I'm going to then I'm going to transition to HR and you. Go ahead. Okay, good. <laughs> so, okay, then there is so this book is about so the hero is like the like a hot shot lawyer who like basically just like sleeps around and like is having the best like his best possible life. Um and the heroine is a heroine who has in inherited six, I think it's six. It's a lot. It's, it's like a bunch of kids, children. like an insane number of kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like her sister died and now she like, she was like 20 something and she just like, boom, suddenly she's the mom of six kids. And he becomes like, he basically meets her and like he's with, he sees her with all these like children and he is Instantly, like, this person is, like, needs help. And he, like, transforms from, like, this hotshot, you know, scoundrel to, like, a real dude who cares. And it is really, really, really lovely. And a another book where kids on the page did not bother me. Well, they're a really integral part of that story. It's also, like, hot. so it's, you know, there's, like, it has to happen that way. Um, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about, so I think I sent you this, there's like a really funny tweet going around. I think I sent it to you or maybe I just put it, like maybe I retweeted it and said, I'm going to remember this for romance law. 
Oh, here mm-hmm. it is. Straight people's forbidden romance is just an HR violation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I would say, like, basically every single romance set in a office is straight up. That is true. And it's really funny because I love them. I'm I'm sure people have heard me say, like, we had a whole boss assistant romance. And I was like, this is like my bread and butter, right? I've never worked in an office. I've only ever worked at schools. So I think, like, it doesn't, you know, I have no emotional sure. attachment to it. Sure, sure. But I will tell you something really interesting. When the, I'll tell you when a boss assistant romance does not work for me. And that is if it is because, look, I, the patriarchy is real and he's always the boss. If it is single point of view, hero only, I can't read it because I feel like I'm like definitely like reading what Harvey Weinstein thought all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like without a <laughs> Ugh, way to ruin it. For I'm the sorry, rest of but it's true, right? <laughs> like you really need the woman's point of view or like or if it's like a younger man, you know what I mean? If it's male, male. Because if it's just like the more powerful character's point of view in a workplace romance, you're kind of like, is this real? Are you real? You know what I mean? (laughs) Are you sure that you're not just really obsessed with your own power and you think everyone's into you? Could that possibly be? Sure. You have a Christian Grey problem. Yes, exactly. Right. And so I will say that one tweet really, really did make me laugh. Straight people's forbidden romance is just an HR violation. I was like, listen, the other thing about this is that romance is basically contemporary romance, especially. I mean, mostly contemporary romance is really built on the backs of this HR violation. Like right back to Mills and Boone, Dr. Nurse romances. Like this is this is bedrock. To our, in our DNA, these boss assistant romances. This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by Bride or Die by Madison Score, the first in the Claire Hartley Accidental Mystery series. So this is like a romantic mystery, this book, um, which is very cool. And it has a really cool setup. And I actually think it sounds really funny. So if you want to smash a rom-com into a mystery, it sounds like this is what you get. Um, Our main character, Claire Hartley, is a marriage proposal planner, which is a very cool idea. I mean, it sounds like she basically, like, helps doofuses figure out how they're going to do this right for the ladies they love. Um, But right now, things are kind of haywire. She is both trying to plan her best friend's marriage proposal, and um, her ex-college roommate has vanished, she is receiving mysterious threats, and she realizes that she just might be the next victim of a suspected serial killer. Yikes. (laughs) So it's not going like super great, but this is her best friend's marriage proposal. So she can't like take time off to like run away. So instead she has to simultaneously plan this marriage proposal with this like hunky, very grumpy, kind of a jerk, very opinionated filmmaker who of course she both can't stand and can't stand not looking at, you know? I do know. And also, she is spending a lot of time trying to protect herself from a potential serial killer and figure out who that serial killer might be. So she's using all her meticulous organizational skills to both plan a marriage proposal and save And put away world. a serial killer. Who, what, who doesn't love it? Listen, you know what? 
this is great. This is exactly what women do all the time. I was just going to say that multitasking at its best. <laughs> um, if you would like to read a rom-com romantic mystery with enemies to lovers vibe and an adorable corgi, you should check out Bride or Die. It's available in print or with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. And if your podcast app supports it, you can click on the chapter title by the book, to pre-order the actual release date of this book is tomorrow, February 29th. Thank you to Madison Score for sponsoring this week's episode. So there's a book um, I actually worked on as an editor called My Office Rival by Sophia Travers. And they are two lawyers who have to go like off-site. Like actually they have to go to another state to do like a, a job, a law job. And when they get to this little town, they're like big New York, big New York City lawyers, but they've been hired mm-hmm. by like somebody in a small Ohio town. They mm-hmm. there is like no room at the inn. So they essentially rent like an Airbnb, like they rent a house sure. and the two of them have to live in it together. And I was literally like, OK, but sure. I think this is an HR violation. <laughs> right and so they are like working together and of course they um actually had like a one night stand like at some point in the past and now here they are in close proximity together but i and i thought it was like a really clever setup to have the two like equals right but in a situation where like uh, okay this would clearly never (laughs) clearly would never happen you know what i mean yeah so um you know, then they have to, like, get involved in this case. And it turns out that, it like, the guy is kind of, like, mafia-associated. Are they safe even? So there's, like, lots of, like, ooh, are we in danger? Let's huddle together in our little house in the cornfields. Sure. It's great. I ha- I feel like I recently talked about this series by Lauren Lane, but it's, like, the perfect series to talk about this particular thing with. So she wrote – Lauren Lane writes a great contemporary. They go down real easy – um, she wrote a series called 21 Wall Street, and I listened to this in audio, which is rare, right? I don't usually listen in audio, but for some reason I had, I don't know, I had audible credits or something for something, and this is what I listened to, and I really enjoyed them in audio. The first one is called Hot Asset, but the point is it's about three, the series is about three Wall Street-like bankers. Listen, if this is not your thing, Wall Street banking you're not going to – this is not going to be your thing. Um, these are like hotshot bankers, like high power, very wealthy bankers. HR, I get to do whatever I want. I'm rich and yeah, handsome. Yeah, just whatever, right? So the first the, – and the first book, Hot Asset, in fact, this is definitely – it's an HR problem. Like she would definitely get fired for this. She is like a Securities and Exchange Commission agent, like – who thinks that there's something shady about what's going on in this particular investment bank. And she thinks this guy, the hero, is like a criminal, like a white-collar criminal. And she's there to investigate him. And they, like, fall for each other. And, like, it is bad news. Like, she is she is not able to investigate him properly because he is sleeping with her. And she works for the FBI Security and Exchange Commission section. The second one is about a publicist or like an image consultant and like one of the other ones. But over the first two books, 
the three of them share an assistant, which is nonsensical. Like, sure. That would literally <laughs> never happen. They would each have 30. <laughs> right? Right. So like romance business, I guess, is business shit. Like this is just not how it would work. They would each have multiples. But she is – they like she's like the best assistant in the firm and they have like – they fought over her. And so they just decided they'd all share her. So this poor woman, right, <laughs> now has to work for three of these assholes instead of just one. But she's – Fully in love with one of them. And he's like JFK Jr. He's like (laughs) handsome and powerful. And like he comes from this like old New England moneyed family. And like there is probably a president in that family tree. And he's just like perfect in every way. And he's got a perfect girlfriend. And she is like through the first two books, she is so wildly into him and you're like hurting for her because he just doesn't see it he's just an idiot and then it does that thing that romances do perfect like when these boss assistant romances hit right like it hits with he's obsessed with like she is obsessed with him and she realizes like she should not do this and his brother who looks just like him, but is like in many ways more charming than he is, like comes like basically shows up and is like, why don't you date me instead? And she's like, you know what? I am never, ever going to get this guy who I'm in love with. Why not? And he loses his Listen, mind. I'm buying it right now. Huge deal. And it is. It's huge deal. I will say it is made better by the first by reading the first one first because there's so much like thirstiness. Like they're just so humid together. Um, but wow, it is a real and like she has to like she his like at one point he's getting engaged and his like girlfriend is like I want you to plan my enga- our engagement oh. party for us. It's just brutal. Oh my god, it's brutal! But it's so great because when he finally like is in, he's like, listen for everyone out there who loves it when a hero is like mine, like Boom. this hero is like mine. He goes feral. I love it. Um, my biggest, like, a book I love with, like, such a massive HR violation, I'm surprised it didn't, like, scorch the earth when it landed on my Kindle. Um, and I've talked about this book before, but I really do love it. And it's, like, a Bass Ackwards. Bass Ackwards. Right? Yeah. Where she asks her boss, like, he, there is no HR department because he is her boss. And it's, like, a small, like, kind of shipping company that rents, like, U-Haul trucks. And she asks for a day off. And he's, like, no. And she's like, I just really, Bill, I really need it. You know, and he's like, no. And she's like, Bill, I really need it. He's like, fine. If I can have sex with you back room, then you can have the day off. And they are, and she's like, fuck, I guess, okay. Truly unacceptable. So Mm -hmm. terrible. And yet I loved this book. And then, listen, you guys, they're having sex. And he says to her, if we can do anal, you can go home early today. Like, just... Wild. And it is. And you're like, there's no way I should be rooting for the people in this book. And yet I did. So go figure. Let's talk about. So I've talked about Praise by Sarah Kate before. Uh, She and her boyfriend break up and she owes like back rent to her boyfriend's dad. Mm. So he so she goes (laughs) or, you know, like, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So she goes to his office and he's just like. He thinks that she's like she, she's somebody who like was sent from a local sex club. 
that he owns to like sure. take, the know, take the edge off or whatever. Which also seems wrong. Even your sex club worker should not have to service you, sir. Yeah. And then he's <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, he comes in and she she comes into the office and he like basically like doms her into, into like getting down on her knees. And then he's like, oh, shit. Like, oh, shit. And then she's like, I just need a job. So he hires her. And then it's just, you guys. No, it's, it's not great. Very, very sexy. It is my favorite Sarah Kate book. Like, it hits better than all the others for me because, you know, it just is, it's just great. But it is, wow, Zer. Uh-huh. Um, and then, of course, if you like, if you want the flip of that dynamic, I won't talk too much about it because I talk about it all the time. And we're going to read it next. Yes. But uh, Heather Guare's uh, preferential treatment is also, it's not boss secretary, but it is a heavy HR violation <laughs> where he is the billionaire owner of the company and she like works for him, works in the company. And then they like sort of stumble into a relationship where he if he reveals that he likes to be dominated in the bedroom. And she is like, I will do that for you if you pay, if you give me a raise, like if you give me bonuses. Wowzer. Wowzer. Um, can we talk about one of my favorite, like, who, which is uh, real estate holdings of all kinds? Yeah. One of the things that I think is always really funny about romance law is, like, how fast it moves. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're Tom Severin, and you need to, like, figure out who is threatening Cassandra. So you buy, like, a London newspaper in a few hours. Oh, yeah. Right? Or, Everything is for sale at yes, all times and yes. easily sold. Yes. And like when you want to go and like, you know, do something, you know, it, you are going to, you know, you can buy a house in like a day. Escrow doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, all mm-hmm. of the things that like make all those processes take a really long time are like yeah. just don't exist in romance. Romance in- law is like. You will it with your brain and it happens. Yeah. Well, we did the whole episode last week about uh, house renovation in oh, romances. Yeah. No one needs to pull a permit. Permit? What's that? <laughs> no. I mean, and that's the kind of stuff that is, like, really funny to me. Because contracts are fossils unless you're in Fifty Shades of Grey. And then we need the entire text of the... The contract, I guess. But the thing is, is Fifty Shades delivered us the entire text of that contract, that BDSM contract. And now, throughout romance, they have these BDSM contracts. And we don't need to see them. No. Because we did read that one. We read that one. That was fine. That was enough. (laughs) So there was E.L. James just doing the rest of romance is solid. (laughs) Right. You don't need it anymore. It happened once. You don't need to do it more than once. Now we just reference the contract. But yeah, I would say that's something romance law-wise that always makes me really laugh is like, how fast you can buy shit, right? Like um, huge, so we go to huge things. Workplace shenanigans in general, like the hating game. Those two definitely should have been to HR. Oh my god! Can you times. imagine working with those two jackasses? Ugh, the worst. You, I mean, <laughs> like that actually. Did would I love be that book? A thousand percent. A hilarious romance is someone should write a romance like the two people who just like have to watch like the two, you know, like. Godzilla and King Kong go at it all the time and they're just in the background like being like, but why? Exactly. (laughs) 
Yeah. Corporations, just in general, the way they work, the rules that govern them just don't seem to exist in romance law, really. Every billionaire is a billionaire by the time they're 25. Well, they don't have to do any work. You just – it happens. It's just like magic, like waking up one day, right? Well, Jen, ostensibly they do some work because they have all these holdings in their enterprises limited. Yes, that's true. That's true. (laughs) They're all incorporated. No one does anything. And – also, like romance business, ancillary, like the the ten, uh, just like a quick tangent to romance business. Everybody is a billionaire. Any business can be a billionaire business. Billionaire lumberjack. Bill, yeah, <laughs> billionaire I mean, sex recently, right? Billionaire seal. Billionaire sex toy company. Like everyone, there's a billion dollars on the table for a billionaire cupcake shop. Like, <laughs> and it's, no, it's like true. in romance, like money is just. It's just it's aspirational. Just a billion dollars yeah. is like twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> it's the same. It's the so. same. Same. Yeah. It's you know what I would say. Like that's something that if you do ever go back and read like old contemporaries, it's mm. that this is something that I think well, is very they're different. Millionaires, Jen. Yeah. Or they're like just you know a doctor, <laughs> underachievers. <Doctors. laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> Like layabouts. Come on. Why aren't you a why aren't you a doctor billionaire? My billionaire doctor OBGYN knows where the hymen is. Exactly. I'd read it. This goes back to our conversation about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. On this everybody on this side, obviously, like everyone else in the whole universe. Jen and I have been texting about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And listen, I'm really happy for those crazy kids. And I'm so happy that everybody loves this romance so much. But I just hope her prenup is airtight. Oh, 100%. And I literally have been saying this for months. Like, I love these kids. I'm so happy for them. But I hope her prenup is airtight. Now, listen, no doubt Taylor Swift's prenup is airtight. I'm not actually that worried about it. But Jen did point out the other day (laughs) that, like, this guy's worth, like, $40 million. And we're like, listen. Jump change. Come on. <laughs> that loser. That's couch change compared to Taylor Swift's money. Right? He basically doesn't have a job. No. I mean. He only works half the year, Sarah. Come on. <laughs> he works one day a week. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but anyway. I mean, that's the thing. Like, so, yeah, I would just say, like, well, okay, here's the flip side of romance. Oh, nobody has a prenup either in romance. No, of course not. Because it's romance happily law? ever after, Sarah. No, prenups do not exist. If you're writing, the, if you're out there writing the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey romance, please think about being the first person to put a prenup in the text. Have you ever read a book with a prenup? Have I ever read a book with I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that's unacceptable. I think maybe I've read a book where a prenup was like insisted upon by a family. Yeah, right. And then and it was like rips it up and yeah. takes her to Vegas or well, something. Well, then in your favorite uh Cressley Cole, he gives her a post-nup, but it's like I'm giving you everything. <laughs> you just got such a romance look on your face. You're like, oh I love it. Um, the other real estate holding things I wanted to discuss was, like, not just the speed at which anything can be bought, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, people that work at the cupcake shop manage to live in, like, San Francisco or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, real estate, like, cost of living doesn't apply. No, it's apply. like sitcom cost of living. It's yes. like the, si- yeah. the the friends' apartments or whatever. It's like they none of them had jobs and they <laughs> lived in those beautiful totally apartments. Fine. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? That's it. You all deserve nice Listen, things. Listen, that's yeah. the dream. Of course. Unless, here's the truth. Romance promises ease of use. <laughs> like, life <laughs> is just easier when you're in love. Yes. And when you're the character in a romance novel. And I think that's really lovely. And that is the fantasy that you will, like, fall in love with somebody and you will have enough money and you will have... You'll not have to worry about, you know, your stupid mortgage papers or, like, putting together your files at the end. Nobody does taxes. No one does taxes. No. Romance. Like, and it's All these creatives, no one ever mentions quarterly taxes. Come on. No. What's that dream? Which is amazing because we are, in many ways, the genre of, like, domesticity. Like, we are the genre of the mundane, which I think is why we get so much flack. Like... But the truth is, because, you know, like, well, I mean, I I don't know. It does feel like in many ways, like the rom- romance is in the sort of little moments in the books, like in the, you know, in the doing the dishes or learning. How, you know, I think so much. My friend Louisa Edwards wrote a book uh, and I'll put it in show notes which one it is. I think it's I think it's too hot to handle. But like there's like this is not for Jen, but there's like a whole chapter where like he's a chef and he teaches her how to make a perfect egg and like and it's so sexy and perfect and they're just like in the kitchen being domestic together and there's something really quiet and lovely about it and it's so romantic that you would think that because we are in many ways the genre of the mundane like taxes would be a thing but no no money but no taxes right i mean the best kind of money Unless you're a billionaire, in which case, pay your taxes. Yeah, well, maybe that's why there's all these billionaires. They never pay their taxes. Yeah, right. Huh, that's Um, true. That's very true. Um, Custody. Can we talk about custody? Well, we talked about inheritance. I think it is kind of like sitcom law, too, is like you have a child that just like magically disappears. No one ever needs a fucking babysitter, right? Like, here's what, even if you have a terrible ex. In romance, like, for the most part, he's a, he like, if you need your kid to go st- spend the night at his place so you can bang your new fireman boyfriend. A hundred percent. I mean, in real life, custody battles are so painful, right? Or, like, the conversations about, like, where kids are going to be and all that. And I think that there's a way in which, like, it's just plot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, like, we need the kids to be gone or we need the kids to be around or whatever. And I think like that's to me, it's like a nice dream, I guess, that like all the ways that people just like, it's fine. Make it work for the kids. Yeah. Make it work for the kids. One of the things that I like, back to like reading the Hidden Legacy books, um, there's this one character. It's like a secondary character in one of the books where he he doesn't have any money and everyone's like, well, why does he have any money? Well, he like essentially like bought his nieces and nephews like essentially bought the dad's way out like just like you just give us full custody and we will pay you off and it was really fascinating that this was like seen as like house politics right like you would just never let your the children go like that's the future of your house because they're magical houses and it's like really interesting because in like contemporary romance like the idea that like Instead, you get, like, women who are often like, well, I'm not going to take alimony or I'm not going to take child support or – you know what I mean? Like, there's a way in which, like, I think money is really interesting just, like, the way it works in general in romance. Like, right? Like, taking someone's money if you don't – I don't – no one's ever a gold digger in romance, I guess. 
which is great. Not unless they're like the ex-girlfriend, right. ex-wife. I mean, there is sort of like in the 90s, there is a yeah. sort of rash of those. But yeah. Yeah. Right? But that's why they don't need prenups. Right. You don't need it. In fact, she if you have money, she hates you even more. <laughs> she won't take it. No. Oh, funny. <laughs> Listen, romance law. I'm sure we missed so many things. I'm sure we did. Well, in part, we don't know a lot of law. So, yeah, just but take I it know. as yeah, fa- it's all real value. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, what I love is like there's just it's and I would also say there's been a recent rash of lawyers in romance. Like we didn't used to ever see lawyers. Um, so that's interesting, but I think that's probably because there are a lot of lawyers, lawyers who are writing writer. romance yes. now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but it's interesting because the one of the people who I think about all the time is Helen K. Diamond, who uh, wrote a lot of romances, really terrific romances. She is in real life a divorce lawyer, or was in real life a divorce mm. lawyer. So I always loved that she wrote romance, but now she writes uh, mysteries under the name Darcy, no, under the name Darby Kane, and often they are about murdering men <laughs> and getting away with it. I mean, so, I understand. I mean, you know, so if you want, because if you need a, if you need a, right, I, I imagine that mystery thriller law would be also a good podcast that would be probably closer to oh yeah sure. romance science romance science yeah right sure where you're just like <laughs> whatever yeah well i mean i, think, I mean oh go ahead well i should say like the most romance law idea of all is the idea that like the legal system and its partners in crime is just the police right it's like they're on our side <laughs> they're here yeah. for us I mean, I also think in romance there is, like, and this is, again, kind of a close relative of romance law. There is, um, in any small town, like, if there's going to be a serial killer, he's going to be in the small town chasing after a woman who is falling in love. Like, obviously, these are, this is just true. (laughs) I'm currently reading a book where there is a serial killer or a serial abduction happening mm. on a college campus. Yeah. And this uh, serial abductor has abducted, I don't know, five women before the book begins. And he, um, and then the heroine becomes the only, the only person who he's ever targeted and like kind of messed with cat and mouse style yeah. beforehand. Mm. So, and of course the heroine is always going to be the special one. Sure. The final girl. Yeah. yeah. And she is, you know, that's just true. Like, if you are, you better hope you are not in the early stages of relationship when there is a serial killer on the loose. You are in tr- real trouble. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you in danger, girl. <laughs> yeah, quote, ghost. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. It's interesting to me, like, the very specific pockets in which, like, romance law, right? It's like, because it's all about how can we force characters together, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's not, like, no one's making big romance law jokes about copyright. You know what I mean? Like no, AI is not a romance law. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Not like, of, rom- of interest right, in romance law. Exactly. You know, there's not like, you know, romance law about, Oh, but I don't you know, know what we didn't talk about? What? Is law, romance law, paranormal version. Oh. Which is like the lore, vows to the lore. Like, oh, yeah, right. Like in paranormals, they have a whole system of laws that kind of like comes into play and is 
valuable, like structured and almost always related to romance in some way. Yeah. Well, also just like secret Fated keeping. Mates is really like romance law. Yeah. Who you can tell, who you can't. Mm-hmm. We're destined to be together no matter what. Mm. Perfect. Romance law. So many good shows about lawyers. I mean, I just think it's like really embedded in like the DNA of like pop culture, especially American pop culture, right? What was your first like lawyer show that you remember really loving? So I think everybody knows that my my mom is English and my grandparents yeah. uh, were English. And they would come over every summer. My grandmother and grandfather mm. would come over every Sunday summer. And they died when I was young. So I really honestly thought they must have been like 160 years old. Yeah. Like they just, in my head, still remain very old. Right. Um, but they would come over um, the first day that they were in uh, in the States. My fa- my grandfather would go to a bookstore and he would buy the, the newest Danielle Steele. Okay. Which was what he would read while he was here. And he would watch religiously La Law. L.A. Law. Yeah, that's what he called it, though. La Law. So cute. Because <laughs> he was in, he didn't know L.A. Right. was. L.A. It was La La Law. So that is it. Corbin Burnson. Sure. That's, that was my, probably the one I remember. Somebody, I, I mean, my brother said that maybe. That show. I remember. Yeah, I don't remember details, but I remember Blair it. Underwood. I yeah. remember Blair Underwood. Um, I somebody told me it's on like Hulu or something. I wonder if it's. I don't think I want to test that. The theory that it's good. Still, <laughs> yeah. Well, I and mean, then yeah. we were. Were you and Allie McBeal? You're a little older than. Oh me, yeah, Allie I remember McBeal Allie McBeal. Like, sure. That was the, a big like, deal. Goofy. Yeah. And then of course, Dick Wolf's. Uh, law and order. Changing the world with law and order. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I, mean less... I still will like periodically just watch a law and order episode. This is why I like will never understand why people are like romance. Isn't it also predictable? I was like, there's been Have you seen law and order? seasons of law and order. <laughs> you know, come on. No, law and order single handedly keeping uh New York City character actors. Yeah. Oh, forever. In business. Um, I, like every person I know in New York who has ever even remotely acted yeah. acting has been in Law and Order. Sure. How can you not be? Yeah, because they run out. I mean, you can't. They they gotta they got they gotta get fresh meat every episode. Fresh dead body. Yeah. Well, it's to your point. It's. Law and Order is a different thing, though. But all of these legal shows, it just feels like they're supposed to, things are supposed to work themselves out. You know, it's very dramatic inside those offices. I mean, with Blair Underwood and Corbin Burnson around. I would say be. The Good Wife was like the last law lawyer show I really like watched and was like truly committed to. Do you consider, do we consider Scandal to be law? law? It's not really, she's a fixer, but. Law adjacent, yeah, interesting. And I really liked that um that show with uh with um <sighs> Spock. Sorry, What's his name. You have you've <laughs> no, entered a place you know. where my pop culture knowledge is not helping you us. No, I'm talking about Chris Pine. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Not Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy plays Spock. The other one is who I'm talking about. 
William Shatner. Shatner. Thank you. God. I was like, what it's are we late. talking? Everybody it is. is late. We normally I do not record this show. Late. I liked that show. Um, he did. Oh, shit. See, Eric's going to cut all this out anyway because it's not interesting. that's true we can just stop all right well anyway you guys tell us your favorite books where there's some romance law yeah tell us what law we've missed yeah definitely have missed law sure of course let's just recap fate of mates live is happening march 23rd in brooklyn you can get tickets right now to see us uh kate claiborne nikki payne and christina lauren all in one room it's going to be a blast come yes, and hang out with us you can find that at fatedmates.net slash live um if you just like us talking about stuff and you want to also have conversations about romance law from now until the end of time you should join our patreon at patreon.com slash and that will bring you directly to our Discord, where like a thousand other people literally are hanging out every day talking about romance law and other <laughs> things romance. Amazing. Um, I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend Jen Prokop. We are Faded Mates, and you can find us at fatedmates.net. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod, on Twitter at Faded Mates, and on Blue, Blue Sky and threads and all the other places at your at your whim at your whim at your will all right everybody don't do anything illegal if you do make sure you have a scorpio in your phone who can like <laughs> come and help you figure it out um and yeah tell us about the books you're reading 